Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, State Fair Health Guidance, Minnesota helping out in Haiti, and a Golden Gopher football preview. But first... We're getting on toward the end of summer, but unfortunately we don't appear to be at the end of the COVID pandemic as cases caused by the Delta variant spike in Minnesota and elsewhere around the country. MNN's Bill Werner has a report on the state's latest response. Scott, Minnesota State Fair officials this week urged visitors to be vaccinated and wear masks indoors, on shuttle buses, and in crowded outdoor settings, but they are not requiring it for the Great Minnesota Get Back Together. General Manager Jerry Hammer said, Please, before you attend the fair, make an informed decision and get all the info you can. It's out there. It's easily accessible. Uh, The best thing we can do, and we've heard this now for uh, almost a year, the best thing we can all do is get vaccinated. If you've done that, you've protected yourself, you've already taken the the biggest step you possibly can for for yourself and for everybody. A group of Democratic state lawmakers urged state fair officials to require all visitors to wear masks. Rochester Representative Liz Bolden warns with the Delta variant increasing. We're going to continue to see those cases spike. It's going to get spread at the fair and then those folks are going to go back home to their communities and continue to spread COVID in their communities. Bolden adds. Around the same time that the Minnesota State Fair will be happening, um, you know, kids will be going back to school. And we know that kids under 12 can't yet get vaccinated, so they are at risk. State fair officials reportedly considered mandates but decided masks would be voluntary because of enforcement problems. And note the fair environment is mostly outdoors, which they say reduces the risk of spread. Latest statistics released this week show over 7,000 fully vaccinated Minnesotans have still become ill with COVID, what are called breakthrough cases. But state officials say that remains a low rate. Health Commissioner Jan Malcolm says... It does appear that, um, that there are more breakthrough cases with Delta than with the earlier strains. But lead infectious disease epidemiologist Chris Ayersman says despite that... The vaccines continue to do the job that we need them to do, and that is to prevent severe disease, hospitalization, and death. Federal officials said this week that because of the spike in COVID cases attributable to the highly transmissible Delta variant and because of indications that the vaccine's effectiveness weakens over time, that people should get a booster shot eight months after finishing their initial vaccination series. State officials this week discouraged Minnesotans, except those whose immune systems are compromised, from trying to get that booster dose ahead of time. Commissioner Malcolm. You can actually be doing yourself a disservice if you if you try to get a booster prematurely because you'll be essentially wasting protective time for the vaccine's effectiveness. State officials stress there will be plenty, as they put it, of vaccine booster shots available in Minnesota. It's important to keep in mind that not everyone who has been vaccinated would be indicated to receive a booster at the same time. And, of course, the start of the new school year is fast approaching. And with the COVID Delta variant cases spiking, Health Commissioner Malcolm says federal and state guidance is... All unvaccinated school-aged children and school staff get tested for COVID-19 at least once a week throughout the school year. Commissioner Malcolm says unvaccinated children involved in sports or extracurricular activities should be tested even more frequently. And will Minnesota have enough testing capacity? 
Malcolm says state officials will keep working with the testing supply community to make sure the supply does keep pace with the with the demand. Scott. Thank you, Bill. We'll have more Minnesota Matters after this. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives. Who are we? We're your neighbors, co-workers, and friends. That's right, we live and work in the community too. Because of that, we're committed to making sure our electric services stay reliable, affordable, and safe. Throughout the state, Minnesota electric co-ops work independent of each other, but with the same goal, provide power to Minnesota. You have so many other things to worry about. Your electricity isn't one of them. Minnesota Rural Electric Cooperatives, bringing power to the people of Minnesota. Considering an online pharmacy? Explore BeSafeRx to find useful information and resources to help you purchase medicines safely online. A safe online pharmacy requires a doctor's prescription, has an address in the United States, has a licensed pharmacist, and is licensed by a state pharmacy board. It's best to stay away from online pharmacies that don't meet these criteria. Discover more helpful tips and resources at BeSafeRx. Go to FDA.gov slash BeSafeRx. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Minnesota State Fair is just about a week away. State Fair officials this week announced their health guidelines and recommendations for this year's Great Minnesota Get Back Together. I spoke with Fair General Manager Jerry Hammer about what Minnesotans can do to stay safe at the fair this summer. Well, the first and most important is make an informed decision uh, before you attend the fair. And uh, we have a lot of information available to help you do that. We've been in contact uh, daily, multiple times daily, uh, on, uh, on many levels with the state health department, and we're looking very closely at CDC guidelines. But what we want you to do is please, before you attend the fair, to uh, make an informed decision and get all the info you can. It's out there. It's easily accessible. Uh, the best thing we can do, and we've heard this now for uh, almost a year, the best thing we can all do is get vaccinated. And if you've done that, you've protected yourself, you've already uh, taken the, the biggest step you possibly can for, for yourself and for everybody, actually. And uh, if, uh, if you haven't got one yet, there's, there's still time. If you get the J&J, you'd still be fully vaccinated by the second half of the fair. Um, we have around the fairgrounds uh, many activities. The vast majority of them are outside, and, and we know outdoors is a different environment. It's a much safer environment than indoors, but uh, when you go indoors at any exhibit at the state fair, we're, we're strongly urging you uh, to wear a mask. And that's, again, the best way to protect spread. And in confined spaces, it does change a little bit. So when you're at the fair, uh, please uh, wear a mask indoors. And I got to stop for a second. Is that okay? Yep. Good. You can edit, right? Yes, I definitely will. I'm looking for, there we go. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, if you're taking a bus to the fair, there's federal regulations that require uh, that uh, while you're either waiting in line for mass transit or while you're on a bus that you wear a mask there as well. And uh, there's also attendance tools we're providing this year to help you choose when to visit. And the first most important thing is, uh, it, it, for me, if I wasn't here anyway, I, I would come to the fair on like, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, they are uh, far less busy than weekend days, and if you're able to do that, uh, it'll, you'll, you'll, you get the same full fair experience, it's just not nearly as busy. 
uh, and we're also we've come up with a new a new tool called the Gopher Gauge on our website. And depending on the time of day and the day itself, if it's one fair child, that means it's less busy. Two fair childs is kind of moderate. Three fair childs will be will be busy, and you may wish to. Uh, do your visit uh, accordingly based on uh, based on that. Uh, and social distancing uh, in our guidelines, we say we'll use this term as a verb. So that means please spread out when you can, and wear a mask when you can't. You know, the state fair uh, is a huge place, uh, and uh, we've created more space uh, both outdoors and indoors. We've added hundreds of benches and tables so there's plenty of places to sit and and actually you know the the photos we see in the in, in the news or the video are always uh, crowded intersections on busy days of the fair but I've been here oh boy I started working here as a kid in 1970 and I can tell you that that it looks like that for a few hours on our busiest days most of the time there's there's lots of room to get around at the fair and uh, uh, plenty to see and do without without waiting in lines uh, too long any place and we've actually been moving activity around the grounds for oh boy 20 years now uh, to take advantage of the uh, uh, space up on machinery hill that used to be occupied by uh, egg machinery um, we also have all over around the fairgrounds, there will be hand sanitizers, so wash your hands frequently. Uh, if you're not feeling well, whether it's the state fair or any place, if you're not feeling well, stay home. Uh, and get well and uh, get tested if you think it's, uh, the symptoms are related to COVID and get well and then come see us afterwards. Uh, but again, most importantly, get back to it, make an informed decision about attending the fair. Uh, consider all the different factors, you know, for you, yourself, your family, and uh, and and if it's if it's right for you, great, we'll see you. And if you're ambivalent at all about attending the fair this year, well, we'll see you next year. Jerry, obviously these are uh, recommendations and things that you're encouraging folks to do. There aren't any mandates uh, or restriction mandates that are going on right now. So in terms of enforcement uh, beyond what you're recommending, what kind of enforcement will be in place for, for any of these suggestions? Well, there are some exhibit buildings that, that do require masks. And in those cases, you, you won't be able to enter there. Uh, it's like our first aid stations uh, up, up at the North End Event Center. The Red Cross is operating a blood drive. And then also the Department of Health, State Department of Health uh, in Ramsey County are providing uh, free vaccines. Uh, if, you're, if you're not able to get one before the fair or you're not vaccinated, you can get one here. They're providing free vaccines. Uh, to to enforce a mandate, if you can't enforce it properly, then it's really not much of a mandate, and that's extremely difficult uh, to do. So that's why we're asking everyone to, to do the right thing, to, to uh, help us, to help the fair. You know, this isn't just about the fair this year. This is about the future of the fair as well. Uh, we were out of business last year, and, and uh, we made it through somehow. It wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't easy, but it wasn't for anybody. You know, the last... 17, 18 months have been have been tough on on all of us. So uh, we do the right thing this year. We 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 can have a great fair and uh, and and do so safely, uh, and that'll help us uh, move into the future and guarantee that the that the fair stays on the same the same solid ground we've been for well over 100 years. That's Minnesota State Fair General Manager Jerry Hammer. Minnesota Matters will return after this.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. A Minnesota-based nonprofit continues to make strides in Haiti following last weekend's earthquake. Tasha Radel has more. As we know, the Haitian government declared a state of emergency after a 7.2 magnitude earthquake struck the country last Saturday, leaving at least 1,297 people dead and more than 5,700 injured. The quake destroyed 13,694 homes and damaged another 13,785. The destruction has also pushed hospitals to the brink and blocked roads that would carry vital supplies. Joining me today is Dale Snyder, Executive Director of Haiti Outreach. Dale, tell us about the history of your organization. Sure. We're a 24-year-old nonprofit uh, based here in Minnesota. We're, our office is in Golden Valley, you know, which is right outside of Minneapolis um, suburb. And we fundraise and administer in our office here, so we only have two full-time and two part-time people but uh, in Haiti, we have uh, headquarters um, in a town called Pion, which is spelled P-I-G-N-O-N, in the central part of the country. And there we have uh, close to 50 employees, all of which are Haitian except for our country director, who's an American and has lived there for 32 years, um, around whom our organization is kind of organized. And so... Um, we are a development organization as opposed to a relief organization, and it's a distinction that we've created in language and also in philosophy because what we've been trying to do is work on uh, water infrastructure, mostly in the rural parts of the country um, where people only have access to water from rivers, of course, all of which are contaminated, in order to survive. So what we've developed over the 24 years we've been working there is a pretty successful model of interacting with small communities. We're talking like 50 to 100 houses primarily who are or not generally communities that are organized in the sense of we think of it. So they're just houses that are clustered and um, most of them don't have access to any potable water. So like I said, they go to the neighboring river, which could be a mile away, and carrying, you know, five-pound, or sorry, five-gallon buckets of water that weigh 40 pounds each just to get water to survive, you know, for cooking, for cleaning, for uh, drinking, for everything. Um, so what we do is organize... Uh, we contact these communities, or they contact us, actually, because... Um, our philosophy is that they need to take responsibility for maintaining a community well if we provide one. So what we do um, is interact with the community and tell them that, that, you know, we can provide you with a clean water well, but you have to go along with our training program, which is an average three-month program, elect a volunteer water management committee, and be willing to to have people um, pay a small subscription fee and have this water management committee manage that money so that when there's a breakdown or they need to uh, paint the well house because um, our wells have uh, concrete block housing around them eight foot high, um, that they have the money to take care of them. So in other words, they don't rely on us to fix their wells. 
they can have the money available themselves, saved in a transparent savings account where three people have to sign off for them to make a withdrawal and um, manage their own water well so that we can just go on to the next and don't have to put a lot of our resources into maintenance. And thereby, it's more development. So they're taking that responsibility on themselves, not expecting an NGO like us, a foreign NGO, to be responsible for maintaining their well. So that's primarily what we've done. We've done some, um, over the history of, of the 24 years, we've also built some public secondary schools um, along the same line that uh, they didn't have such a thing, uh, their own, like their own school building for secondary schools in many cases, especially public secondary schools. And so if the Ministry of Education agrees to hiring teachers and administrators and running the school, then we have agreed to um, build some of those. Dale, as we know, Haiti is one of the poorest countries, and they've just, gosh, been hit so hard over the years. What are you hearing, seeing, and I guess feeling? Well, um, a few things. Haiti, sadly, has had a history of all of these things, hurricanes, uh, poor government, and uh, even though it's been 100 years since they've had an assassination, they've had them, um, just like we have in the U.S. And uh, as far as earthquakes go, same thing. They happen to be located on, um, I don't know if you know what the cause of this is, but the Earth has tectonic plates, what are called tectonic plates. So they're land masses, but or I don't know what you even call them, hard hard uh, earth that the earth is covered by and these bend and move and that's what causes earthquakes all around the world and Haiti is where two of these plates meet which is also true of California which is why California has so many earthquakes and so um, Haiti has had a history of earthquakes and it's unfortunate that they've had you know a major one that hit near the capital 11 years ago in 2010 that did cause a tremendous amount of damage in terms of loss of life and and property damage because it was so close to the metropolitan area of the capital, which had 2 to 3 million people. It's almost the size of the Twin Cities. So needless to say, when it's close to them, you know, there's going to be a lot of damage and a lot of deaths. In this case, it was on the southern southwestern part of the peninsula that's the south of Haiti, and um, there's not nearly as many people. So you're not going to see, it will be a fraction of the number of deaths. I think the last I heard this morning was 1900, and I'm sure they're still digging out. But um, the number of deaths and the number of uh, injured people will be a fraction of what it was 11 years ago because the population isn't as high. For more on Minnesota-based Haiti Outreach, you can head online to HaitiOutreach.org. Again, that's HaitiOutreach.org. Thanks again to my guest today, Dale Snyder, Executive Director of Haiti Outreach. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters returns after this. Don't you wish that getting your child to eat right, move more, and spend less time in front of a screen could be as easy as pushing a button? 
It might not be that simple, but you do have more power than you know. And you can maximize that power with proven strategies, tips, and tools from the National Institutes of Health's We Can, or Ways to Enhance Children's Activity and Nutrition program. We Can offers all kinds of resources, including fun recipes and activities the family can do together to show you the way to live a healthier lifestyle. We're not saying it's easy. We are saying that it can be done. Take the first step today. Call 1-866-359-3226 for a free We Can Parents Handbook. And be sure to visit the We Can website at wecan.nhlbi.nih.gov for free information, too. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The season opener for the Golden Gopher football team is now less than two weeks away. Minnesota will play fourth-ranked Ohio State in a primetime game on Thursday night, September 2nd, on the U of M campus. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm had a chance to sit down with two veteran linemen to talk about the season. One veteran is a newcomer to the Gophers. Niles Pinckney is a defensive tackle who transferred from Clemson in January, while Sam Schluter is in his sixth season with Minnesota as an offensive tackle. Grimm introduces us to Pinckney first. Well, Niles, let's start by, uh, I just want to ask you how the transition's gone here, uh, moving from uh, the south up here to the north and being a part of the Gopher program now. Um, well, I know the first thing for me was just getting here and getting into this cold weather. I think that was a big shock to me. I'm not used to seeing that much snow and being in negative 15 degree weather. But other than that, the transition's been great. Coach Woods helped me, Coach Flex, everybody in the staff, players have accepted me, helped me through this process and knowing that it's not an easy process, especially when you're coming from a different college and being there for a while. So they definitely helped me there and they've uh, helped get me acclimated and I really appreciate it. What's camp been like for you now with uh, your new teammates? Um, I feel like it's really uh, better than the spring because I feel like I've been in the system for a while now. I've learned the plays. I know what to expect. I've got used to the uh, practice style, Coach Flex, coaching style, and just getting used to the tempo and speed and everything. And I feel like it's been really good, like actually feeling comfortable where my feet are. What can you bring from a program like Clemson that's had so much success and uh, try to maybe, uh, you know, instill some of that culture into this culture? Um, I feel like just bringing like the competitive edge that's uh, like that every coach player wants to have, a coach wants from their players. I feel like also just like the leadership role and what to expect from the players. Like I know Clemson's best is a standard. And here Coach Flex says change your best every day, which is they go hand in hand because you want to change your best. If you had a good day, add on to it, get, make it consistent, do something better. You just get 1% better every, every day. And I feel like that's something we bring. So you see some similarities in the messages and the, the way the programs are run, you think? Oh, yes, sir. Very, uh, Coach Flex and Coach Flex, they're very, very, very competitive guys, but they want to push their players. They don't want you to get complacent um, and get like, just be happy where your feet are and get fat and happy. They want you to get better, be hungry each and every day and strive to get better. What kind of impact can you have here uh, when the when the games uh, start and the football starts flying? Um, I feel like my impact just being an older guy, more experienced guy, play a lot of games. I feel like just bringing the young guys with me or even the guys that have been here for a while, just bringing my point of view and helping them the best way I can to help them. Like maybe there's some st- things I can teach them, they can teach me, and we can just trade off uh, techniques and we just get better that way. So I feel like it's also just adding on to everybody's game, really. I feel like that's what I can bring. When fans watch you play, what kind of player will they see? Um, this is going to see a guy that loves the game. Uh, I like to say a joke around, be like an old head, but very experienced guy that loves to play, uh, loves his teammates, love to play the game, play for the team, um, and treat him like I've been here since a freshman, just love the team and the passion. Uh, is it? Uh, would you say you're a, a better run stuffer than a pass rusher or vice versa, or you feel you're pretty versatile in that stuff? 
Um, I feel I'm pretty versatile, versatile because I just feel like I can, uh, I'm very experienced in both. I know I've learned techniques from each of the guys I played under when I was younger as a guy, and then as I've gotten older, I've added on to it. So I feel like I've become very versatile and balanced at both. Your hometown is at Beaufort, South Beaufort, South Carolina. Tell us about your hometown and, and your upbringing and uh, and what uh, how that kind of helped shape who you are. Um, I come from Beaufort, South Carolina. It's, it's kind of like a small military town. A lot of people in and out. I lived in a small military neighborhood, but it's um, very close. Everybody knows everybody. I feel like, I, especially my dad. Everybody knew who my dad was, but I feel like that just helped me with the building relationships, knowing that and it kind of gave me a self, uh, feeling of like anybody knows anybody. So if you treat somebody a certain way, they get passed along. So you should treat everybody right. I feel like that's a big thing to me. I feel like you should care about everybody. Um, also, just like I'm a small country boy, I like to be to myself. It's not that I don't like being around people. It's just sometimes that's what I'm used to being out in the country. So I feel like that's a big thing to me. Well, it's been fun getting to know you. We'll look forward to chatting with you down the road, and I can't wait for that Thursday night Ohio State Minnesota game. Yes, sir. I appreciate your time. That's go for defensive tackle Niles Pinckney with MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. Here's offensive lineman Sam Schluter. So we're about a week into your sixth fall camp. Does, does it get old? Were you excited to get back at it? Does it get to be a grind? What's your take here six times through this now? I was definitely excited to get back at it. I mean, offseason was definitely long, but we definitely needed it as a team just to grow and get better. But I was definitely ready to start playing some football. It wasn't spring ball. It's finally season time. I'm ready to go. <laughs> what has the uh, Give us an assessment of what you think uh, camp's gone like for, for you guys up front. Uh, I think we've done a good job. We failed a lot. We're growing a lot. Uh, I think we're learning a lot as well. It's early into it especially, and I think this is definitely a good time for us to continue to fail and then change our best and grow the next day, and I think we're doing a really good job of that. Well, I want to ask you, you mentioned, okay, so I'm going to say you said it. You fail a lot. Does that mean that's good things for the defensive line too? What are they bringing your way? Yeah, they've done a really good job lately, and uh, it's really good to see them uh, just the way they change their best every day too and they bring it to the field and it's really competitive up front but that's what we want that's what we need. I heard the Vikings earlier this week one of their players said iron sharpens iron meaning if ones go against ones and they're both really good. Do you, do you Are you feeling that here in the camp with when you go up against those guys across from you? Yeah for sure I think we've uh, both done a really good job on both sides of the ball and it's a lot of fun to go out when there's a lot of competition and I think that's making us better and it's making them better. How good can this team be and uh, kind of take me through your, you know, coming back for a sixth year? Obviously, you have to have some high hopes and goals for this group. Yeah, I think we can do something really special this year, and that's what I'm looking forward to. And, you know, I came back for a sixth year along with some other guys. I think we really believe in this team. And, yeah. You guys are close, right, up front. I mean, I can, you can just see it every practice. Uh, is that the main reason you all came back? Because you had there were two or three guys that could have opted to move on with life, maybe try the NFL, maybe do other things, and here you guys all are. Yeah, we're definitely the closest we've ever been. Uh, I think that's kind of testament to us and how we've kind of come together, especially a lot of us have been together four or five years, uh, for the majority of us, really, and it's just kind of a family at this point. You guys, you still have some uh, some roommates who are up front with you too. Has a, has a rooming situation been the same now for a few years? Yeah, so I got Connor Olson, left guard. Uh, he's with us there, and also Co-Keefe, so tight end. Yeah, I remember last year when we had one of our Gopher talks. They were, I was talking to you, and they were kind of bugging you in the background. That's how I remember that. So yeah, you guys are s- certainly close. A uh, last one for you. How do you uh, make it through the rest of camp without keeping too close an eye on that looming Thursday night game with Ohio State? 
I think we just have to keep on working on getting better. You know, uh, the time will come to prepare for Ohio State, but right now I think we really have to focus on us and what we can do to keep improving until, you know, that time comes. Very good. Good to see you. Thanks. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, Mike, for that Gopher preview. That is going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.